across delicate Art Nouveau facades. Black tags mar 18th century marble. Names are keyed into granite landings and wooden windowsills. In the wake of the Velvet Revolution, graffiti has spread like mold along the city's edifices, leaving practically no surface untouched. Here, where old beautiful buildings are the default rather than the treasured exception to times and tropic rule, and where rich architecture belies an impoverished budget, it's impossible to safeguard everything. Freed from communism's straitjacket, the entire city is now wrapped in scrawl. But the beauty of Prague's youth almost excuses their penchant for vandalism. Preternaturally appealing creatures with sculptural faces, creamy skin, and long, supple limbs, they lean against buildings, cigarettes dangling from their lips. They sip slow drinks in cafes, they spill onto the streets in acid-washed jeans. They cultivate looks of boredom that highlight their full lips and Slavic cheekbones. Their attractiveness is alarming in its universality and in its disappearance at the earliest intimation of middle age. Prague's denizens breathe coal-laced air, drink polluted water, and live on boiled dumplings and pork cutlets, beer and cigarettes, a diet that generally allots a person only three good decades. Faces become haggard and loose-skinned. Bellies grow and arms become flaccid. Spines curve. Strange lumps and moles appear. In Prague, there is no culture of continuing care facilities or retirement communities. The old are not shunted away, nor do they move to sunny locales with more golfing opportunities. Prague is home to stooped old ladies with necks crooked like canes and old ladies with perfect posture. There are old ladies in sensible square-toed shoes and old ladies with sagging pantyhose stuffed inside bright red Mary Janes. Old ladies with large handbags and fuzzy wool caps they knit themselves and old ladies in ratty fur coats. In Prague, the blue-haired old lady is no less common than the violet-haired old lady or the scarlet-haired old lady. Punk rock dye jobs hallucinatory in their vibrancy, and which are still commonplace a decade after the arrival of Western cosmetics might have been expected to impose a certain refinement of hue. Sometimes old ladies are in the company of old men, but mostly old ladies are alone, or with old lady friends, or with small, unfriendly dogs. Husbands die, and perhaps there is a small pension, but old ladies still carry baskets filled with groceries. They still make their painstaking way down sidewalks and hold their breath as they risk the first stare of a speeding escalator. The velocity and intensity with which Prague's inhabitants age merely mirrors time's unlikely acrobatics from one city block to the next. A street frequently occupies two centuries at once. In the city center, a TGI Fridays inhabits an 18th century mansion. Signs posted on elegant antique street lamps display the word casino in Czech, English, Japanese, and Hebrew. A 14th-century boulevard contains a McDonald's, a Pizza Hut, and numerous discos, its sidewalk hucksters proclaiming the virtues of nearby strip clubs. Prague's magpie instincts are not strictly temporal. The mad rush toward westernization has resulted in a spectacular street melange of consumer culture, international tourism, and incipient capitalism. In Old Town, a restaurant tout sports an oversized sombrero and a Mexican poncho on which are emblazoned the words pizza and falafel, while a restaurant named Chicago advertises Mexican cuisine. 
A gaggle of schoolgirls squawks in accented English. We're from Belgium, mighty, mighty Belgium. Their voices echoing through the streets. A flock of Japanese tourists photographs the clock tower from the opposite side of Old Town Square, their flashes impotent against the deepening night. Kerchiefed, thick-fingered, snack-stand proprietors vend, in addition to the traditional sausages and fried cheese, a frozen treat called Rent Gen, a fluorescent yellow popsicle on a black skeleton-shaped stick with a radioactive symbol on its wrapper. On a pedestrian plaza, a street vendor waves a crumpled piece of paper at a cop in desperation, blocking his briefcase of fake Soviet artifacts with his body. From a loudspeaker fronting a downtown bingo hall, a voice drones each successive number in a robotic monotone that suggests imminent death from boredom. At a tram stop, a stray mutt trots back and forth before a woman eating a roll until she feeds him some crumbs. Prague's human beggars opt for complete prostration, face down on their elbows and knees, hands proffered in supplication, a square of newspaper tucked under their legs for cushioning, but the dogs have better luck. In the years since communism's demise, gambling has become as common as graffiti. Along neighborhood streets, 24-hour hernas advertise the day's accumulated jackpot on digital street displays, while inside the door, catatonic men feed coins into slot machines. Off-track bedding parlors inhabit every major subway station. It's easy to become disheartened. Hopefully, discouragement will cast the gaze downward to Prague's sidewalks. They are not concrete or slate, but marble mosaics that stretch from the city's touristed center to its most ordinary neighborhoods. They are part of the city's fabric, nearly daring to be overlooked. There are never more than two colors of stone to a sidewalk, but those colors change. Sometimes the stones are gray and white, sometimes roseate and white, marble cubes the size of children's blocks forming patterns that shift block to block from diamonds to checkerboards to squares of varying size. Who decides the pattern? Is there a plan in a municipal building somewhere mandating which city block receives the nesting squares and which the lines of diamonds? Occasionally, small piles of marble cubes rest beside a patchy sidewalk, waiting to be set in place by a sidewalk fixer in blue overalls. Oblivious to the street traffic, he will patiently tap each stone into place with a metal mallet and a bricklayer's hammer, his methods no different from the pavers of 1763. In the intervening years, empire has been replaced by communism, which has been supplanted by capitalism, each passing era leaving its mark but not obscuring what came before. The sidewalks persist in their mosaic geometries. Whether ruled by emperor or dictator or venture capitalist, Prague is simply too old and its habits too ingrained not to remain faithful to itself. Invisible City Prague's Museum of Communism lies on a pedestrian shopping concourse a few blocks northeast of Venceslaus Square, steps away from a building that once housed Gestapo and then Communist Party officers before its post-Velvet Revolution conversion to an upscale shopping mall. Advertising for the Museum of Communism has taken over most of the city's subway escalators. Each ascent and descent is accompanied by smiling images of the 1980 Moscow Olympic bear toting a machine gun or nested Russian dolls bearing sharp, menacing fangs with the English words Museum of Communism printed beneath.
It is no coincidence that the advertising campaign smells American. The Museum of Communism was opened by an entrepreneurial American expatriate who also owns a successful jazz bar. When the museum opened a year ago, the Czech press complained that the creation of such a museum ought to have been left to Czechs. The American jazz bar owner responded that the Czechs, after ten museumless years, had blown their chance. The museum proclaims itself to be the only one of its kind in the world. A statement sure to inspire budding entrepreneurs expatriated across the former Eastern Bloc to start museums of their own. Until that inevitable moment, however, Prague remains unique. The Museum of Communism shares the first floor of an elegant 19th-century building, which it shares with the casino. A sign on the building's stairwell directs all comers either left, toward the museum, or right, toward the card tables. The only Czechs who choose the former path are museum employees. These employees are exceedingly polite, speak excellent English, and are perfectly happy to sell, in addition to museum admissions, Lenin candles in a variety of attractive colors, Lenin paperweights, and reprints of communist-era propaganda posters handily outfitted with English slogans for the convenience of their purchasers. Considering Prague's nascent penchant for tourist traps, in recent years the city has inaugurated a wax museum, a sex machine museum, and a museum of torture instruments, the Museum of Communism is surprisingly restrained. An actual historian was employed in the creation of the museum's careful displays. These trace Czech communism from its national inception in the 1920s to the disintegration of...